Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Hello, I'm Virginia Heffernan, and welcome to This is Critical, the cultural criticism show where we live to surprise and we don't worship idols of any kind. Each week, we're going to look into all the things we think we know. Ideas, big, small, serious, unserious, that we don't even think to question anymore because they just seem like such a given. Beliefs like Bruce Springsteen is a god and the Hallmark Channel is a joke and catfishing is a sin. And what about polyamory? Is it liberating? Or does it just reinscribe some of the same gendered power dynamics from those old hippie free love days? And why are three ways always two women? Never mind. We'll get to that with a former congresswoman. Join me on this quest to look at our cultural creeds with relentless curiosity. I have only two rules. Nothing is off limits, and that includes cussing. Though, of course, I don't want anyone canceled here, so we're staying mindful and gentle personally. And nothing is dumbed down. Expect a French intellectual or two, some insufferable Latin phrases. I love that stuff. And some very insidery views of TikTok or ketamine. All right, so let's get into our very first episode. This week, we're giving Trash Talk another look by someone who does it and he's good at it. It seems to me our culture freaks out about trash talk. I mean, look at the NFL right now. The football field is a lush trash talk garden. Hey, come back again. Come back again. Oh, you're so weak. You're a waste of my time. Hey, 75, I need some more of that. Come on. Y'all think that's a good blitz? Y'all think that's a good blitz, Rolando? Back up, Tanner Coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. But this season, it's more like a trash talk garden that's been overweeded. The league has asked refs to crack down on anything that could be construed as taunting after a few trash talk-related confrontations on the field last year. And trash talk is unpopular off the field, too, in politics, business, and that boundless battlefield we call the internet. One of the things even Republicans hate about Donald Trump is how he used to insult his political opponents on Twitter— and to their faces, classic trash talk if I ever saw it. As a journalist, I've found myself on the receiving end of quite a bit of trash talk, both online and IRL, and it never feels good to be called hashtag worse than ISIS. Yes, that happened to me. 
Another example is I once did a New Yorker profile of a kind of famous comedienne, to use the French word. All right, she was a little less famous then than she later became. And I'm going to be cagey about her name, not for journalistic ethics, but because, to be honest, she terrifies me. And what if she heard this podcast and tweeted something about me like, that loser Heffernan is very lame? You can't be too afraid of mean tweets, I always say. Anyway, listen, I'm going to call her Liz. Liz and I spent a bunch of time together, and I discovered walking around Manhattan with her that she zings freaking everyone. Like, there was this guy, a normal guy, who spat on the street, and she called him Pig. Hey, Pig. And whenever she spotted a down-and-out person, like a Tatterdemalion street guy passing a hat, she'd say I was barely his level for dating. So I walked around trying to pretend to be cool with a small red wound in my chest that slowly, slowly opened, filling my ribs, even as I tried to laugh and be a good sport. Now that is effective trash talk. But here's the thing, trash talking wasn't the end of it with Liz, because she's also very breakable. And now, I'm not that great at trash talking, but whenever I vaguely tried to give it back to her, like when she yelled at that spitter and I said, wow, that is judgmental, Liz, because I hate, hate, hate when people tell each other what to do on the street. Like, don't litter, don't stand there, don't like it. Anyway, she'd get a little bit teary. You know, like that dish it out but can't take it thing. So one time during the interview, I asked her about some family stuff. I was profiling her and she actually sobbed. So that sobbing reminded me of that thing you see European soccer players do. You know, brawny adults hurling themselves on the ground in fake pain, wailing like Jennifer Coolidge in White Lotus in order to get ref sympathy. That's called flopping. And flopping might seem like the total opposite of trash talk, but I'm beginning to think they're two sides of one coin. Why? Well, on top of feeling like Liz was going to hurt me at any moment now, I started to worry I was going to hurt her. So she had me in a bind. I couldn't move. She had the constant upper hand with me because with a trash talker, you can push back. You can give as good as you get. And with a flopper who cries in agony at the slightest provocation, you have to be gentle. So I kept being super gentle and then getting zinged. And I realized that was her power. Trash talking and flopping. The NFL and Manchester United football behavior on the pitch. I wanted to understand all this further. Is trash talk really unsportsmanlike? Could it even, I shudder at the thought, but could it even be a good thing? And if so, how do I get good at it? For this, I turn to my Twitter frenemy, Dre Baldwin. Most of Dre's and my interactions involve sparring over politics online. He's pretty conservative, and perhaps you can tell already I am not. But what I like about Dre is he's great at getting me to question some of my preconceived notions. Dre is a sharp thinker, but he also played basketball professionally in Europe for nine years. And in sports, his chief strength is that he dominates the mental game. Since retiring from basketball, Dre's made his living on the speaking circuit, but he's still trash-talking. This is from his YouTube channel called Work On Your Game. When I go anywhere, I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care if I'm playing ball, if I'm making a YouTube video, if I'm doing a speaking engagement. I don't care who else is in the room. When I go there, I'm the best. Dre, welcome to This Is Critical. Well, thank you for having me here, Virginia. I'm interested to see where this conversation goes. Excited <laughs> to be here either way. I love 
talking to someone that I've like <laughs> argued with on Twitter. <laughs> yes. And you are very unafraid. You can't do it with too many people. So give me some examples of actual trashy talk. Oh, man. I remember once I was playing uh, here in Miami, and it wasn't a lot of people sitting in the stands. The only people in the stands are like friends and family, girlfriends, kids, stuff like that. So this guy on the other team, I mean, he went up and shot the ball, blocked the shot. And I'm like, no, get that shit out of here. Just uh, It was almost automatic that you say that when you block somebody's shot. Everybody does that. And I blocked the shot, and he heard me. And I, and I guess he had a little bit of, he was like this macho type guy, big, muscular guy. He didn't belong on a basketball court. He was more like a, his body is more like a wrestler than a basketball player, but he's trying to play basketball. So I block his shot. He doesn't know me. He's like, oh, you want to talk trash, man? And he's smiling and he kind of, you know, he, he didn't like the fact that I said something to him. But his girlfriend was sitting in the front row <laughs> in, the, in the bleachers. And the gym is so empty, everybody can hear everything that's being said. So I start talking to his girlfriend. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, you're going to have to give him a good massage at the end of the night. You're going to have to comfort him pretty well because this is going to be an <laughs> ugly game for him. And he got really mad. He got really upset about that. He didn't get so mad. He smiled when I told him about blocking his shot. But when I started talking to his girlfriend, he got really angry. Like, hey, don't talk to her, man. He got serious. But he wasn't <laughs> going to do anything to me because I can defend myself. So, but I kept talking to him the entire game. And we ended up beating him. And I think he was really, he, he really took it personal at that point. And that's the point of trash talk is you want people to, it's one thing if you talk to someone and they kind of laugh it off and they just keep playing. Yeah. That didn't work. But when I started talking to his girlfriend, he got really, really pissed because I, I hit a nerve with him. Basically what it sounds like you did to the guy, aside from like, you know, destabilize him by talking to his girlfriend, is pretend the game was already over and you'd already won. That would get in my head. You're just being confused. Like, I'm supposed to be going into this game, and I'm it's over. That seems, like, very clever. If you know the story of with Larry Bird, when he was in a three-point contest okay. back in the 80s, when the NBA first started having a three-point competition, you know who Larry Bird is, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they had the three-point contest, which is the best three-point shooters in the league, all at the All-Star Weekend to have a competition with who's the best. So Larry Bird walks into the locker room before the competition, and he says... Well, which one of you is going to come in second? And he didn't laugh. He was being dead serious. And nobody said anything to him because he was, as a player, he was already better than all these guys. He was an actual all-star. He wasn't just a shooter. He was an overall. He was up there with Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. And he said that to them before the competition. Then he went out and he won the competition. He never even took his warm-up jacket off. And he won the three-point competition. So that has gone down in history as like the greatest Larry Bird story. Dre grew up in Philadelphia in the 1980s and 90s in this super intellectual family. They were always debating, always challenging each other, and Dre also loved sports. But he wasn't a naturally gifted athlete. We'll get to that in a minute. He tried his hand at a bunch of sports, but the basketball court is where he learned to talk trash. When you're playing ball, everything goes. Anything to get into your opponent's head, that's the whole point is you trash talk to get into your opponent's head so that they stop thinking about what they need to do in the game and they start thinking about you and they try to start getting at you. Now, there is a small percentage of athletes who they can be in a full-fledged back-and-forth trash talk and still perform for their team because basketball is a team sport. They can still do their team responsibilities while staying focused on the trash talk and doing that at the same time. It's kind of like a multitasking. But most athletes... If they get too deep into the trash talk, they stop focusing on what they're supposed to do for their team, and they start focusing on the guy or girl that they're talking to. This could be the opponent. This could be somebody in the crowd. It could be anyone. 
and they get off of their game. And that's the whole point of trash talk is just to get somebody off of their game, make them lose focus so that they do their job worse. Pretty much my only access to, to pro basketball is you and a meditation that LeBron James did, like on a meditation app. So LeBron James says that he is very, very distracted. And part of the reason that he needs these meditation practices is that he gets shouted at by the fans, the other team, saying he's too old. And he has to really deafen himself Mm. to that. And I was surprised that, you know, (laughs) King James and also you still have to outthink trash talking, even at a low level, like you're too old. Like, why isn't that just chunks of language that roll off you like water off a duck's back? The answer is it depends on your wiring, Virginia, because uh, you take an athlete like Michael Jordan. He wouldn't need meditation for someone talking trash to him from the crowd. Michael Jordan, that stuff just became fuel for his fire. And that would just make him play better. So he would take the trash talk. And it got to the point where the fans and the other teams would even tell their players, listen, don't talk trash to that guy because his game will go up. He'll play even better if he talk trash to him. Whereas LeBron is a little bit more, he's more inclusive. He's more agreeable. He's more of a team guy, more of a compromising guy, more of a bring everybody together guy. Whereas Michael Jordan is more of a, I'm going to kick everybody's ass, even his own teammates. I am so interested in this idea that trash talking can be motivating for certain kinds of people, even though we keep discouraging it everywhere you look. I mean, I'd love to be motivated by bullies and people insulting me, if only so I could survive an hour in the Twitter Coliseum without squeezing a stress ball into dust. But maybe trash talking's not in the cards for me. I mean, it's possible that I too quickly fold and, you know, under a barrage of insults, I get bashful or worse, meek. Someone who's easily embarrassed is easy to talk trash to them because anything you say to them, they're thinking what's everybody else thinking. And those are the people who are the easiest targets of trash talk because you know that they're thinking about, they're absorbing every single thing that you say. Whereas somebody like myself or like Michael Jordan, it just hits us on the surface and then we just use it. We use whatever you throw at us to throw it back at you. So we're only going to come back at you harder than how you talk trash to me. Not to say that I'm Michael Jordan, but when it comes to vocabulary wise and the trash talk and the heat of the moment, there's nothing you could say to me that's going to throw me off my game because I make a living from my words, just like you. Ooh, if Dre thinks his rich vocabulary makes him a good trash talker, maybe I do have it in me with my SAT words. But how would I know if I had the right stuff? You have to be able to be witty. You have to be sharp. You have to be able to cut somebody down with one line and have it hit them in a way. It's kind of like in boxing. They say it's not the power of the punch to knock somebody out. It's the punch that they don't see coming. That's what knocks someone out is when you hit someone with something that they didn't think was coming and you can back it up with your skill and you know that they know everybody else heard it and is accurate, that's when you really kill somebody. That's the kill shot. Okay, I think I'm starting to get what makes someone a good trash talker, but I'm still not sure I could deliver that kill shot. I wonder what makes Dre and other expert trash talkers make such quick work of their rivals. If you really think about the the big five personality traits, one of them is a measure of agreeableness versus disagreeableness. Yep. I'm very high on the disagreeable side. <laughs> I'm very high on it. And usually, you know, what, you know what's funny about it is 
Usually people high on the agreeable side, those are the ones who excel at team sports because you have to work within the framework of a team and work with other people. But people who are high on the disagreeable, usually they become entrepreneurs. So I always joke with people and say, I probably should have played tennis or golf. I probably would have been better had I played a solo sport instead of a team sport. But because of that high level of disagreeability, when I had all those failures early in my sports career, I didn't play on my high school team until I was a senior. I was disagreeable enough to look at the reality and say, well, I'm going to go against it. So I had the audacity to think that I was still good at basketball, despite the fact that I had all these failures. So my high school peers would hear me trash talking in, you know, in gym class and things like that. Like, dude, you tried out for the team and didn't make it. How are you talking like you're good at basketball? You didn't make the basketball team. But I was disagreeable enough to keep believing irrationally enough that I could make it. Okay, so Dre is so good at trash talk that he was able to basically trash talk himself into a professional basketball career. He failed to make his high school team until his senior year, and even then he wasn't good enough to be a starter. The one year I was on the team, it was my senior year, and my, my teammate, who was the best player on the team, this guy, his name was Darian. Now, me and him were in the same class almost all day because we were in this like um, engineering type of program class. So we had all the same classes together. And I would just playfully talk trash to him like, dude, I'm, I'm better than you. I could beat you one on one. And he took to it because he knew he was better than me. So he's like, all right, this is, I can beat this guy. He's a formidable opponent. I was taller than him, a little bit more athletic. So he's like, all right, this would be an easy win for me. So he and I would play one on one before practice every day. And overall, over the course of the year, we didn't even keep score. He probably won. But the fact that I got to play against him and I got this guy who's he was all city, no D1 scholarship, no made the all star teams and all of that. He took what I was saying to him seriously. So in my mind, it legitimized me. So when I got to play against him and I would make a good play on him, I would score on him or I would stop him. This was just planting small seeds of confidence in me that even though during the games he's scoring 30 points while I'm sitting on the bench. I'm like, all right, well, every time he did well, that gave me more confidence because I'm like, all right, I played against him in practice and scored on him a couple of times. So if he could score on every team in the city, that means I can do something, too. So when I got out of high school and walked on in college, I had the confidence that I knew that I could play. You played abroad a lot. You're a pro basketball player in the top 1%. Okay, you didn't play for the NBA, but you top 1% of basketball players of all time. And you got there later in life and... Uh, largely on the strength of your capacity to get in other players' heads, which is fantastic. Um, But there are differences in the way Europeans kind of consider sportsmanship and Americans do. Like, we tend to think, oh, they must be more, they must be better sports, right? But they do certain things, so they maybe they trash talk less, but they do these these uh, flopping things. And also, I don't know what you call it in soccer, when people like really exaggerate how much pain they're in when they fall. I don't even think basketball players who flop do that. But that like really whiny, whatever thing, like it just seems like the opposite of American play. So what do you make of that difference when it comes to trash talking or when it comes to other gray area sportsmanship stuff like flopping? So in Europe, well, one thing that with, as an American player, you don't experience as much trash talk when you're abroad because sometimes you're playing against players who don't speak English. <laughs> yeah. And often the thing about trash talk, Virginia, you got to remember is often we're using a lot of slang terms. Yeah. And we're saying the kind of things that you really have to understand the language intuitively to use trash talk. Like I can't trash talk somebody in Spanish, even though I can understand Spanish because I don't understand it deep. Yeah. I understand it conversationally, but not deep enough that I could trash talk in it. So that's one thing as an American, you don't hear it as much. 
And as far as the the flopping thing, yeah, it happens more it is a is a theater thing, yeah. and it's not as bad in basketball as it is in soccer because in soccer, it's a bigger penalty depending on like how badly you might have hurt the other player, the injury, whatever injury they got or they appear to have gotten. But in basketball, yes, we do have that, but for the most part, you only flop just to get the whistle from the referee, which is a foul, and the foul is a good thing. Once you get the foul, you're good. You get the free throws or your team gets the ball, and that's enough. But in soccer, you have these escalating penalties, and mm. I don't know soccer that deeply to explain it. But you don't get the writhing on the floor in pain unless it's serious pain in basketball. That's more in soccer. Have you ever – do you ever flop? No, I'm not into that. Not like there. it doesn't seem really like a Dre thing. For me, when it comes to something like flopping, I'm never going to try to make a show of – it's kind of like being a victim. Flopping is like being a victim. Somebody hit me. I'm laying on the ground. Let me make a show. Yep. Yeah. Let me make a show of how much you did me wrong so that I can get the sympathy from the referees, from the crowd, from the announcers, from everybody else. I'm not into that at all. I'm 100% against anything that promotes making yourself look like a victim. After the break, we'll get into all the other places where trash talk can come in handy. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. back to This is Critical. Today I'm talking to Dre Baldwin, a former professional basketball player and something of an expert in trash talk. Since Dre hung up his sneakers, most of his experience with trash talk is online, mostly with commenters on his YouTube channel. And I wanted to know what, if anything, gets under Dre's skin. Well, it's not so much that it bothers me. That what I'm saying, Virginia, is... If someone starts saying something to me that I don't think they would say to me if we were having a conversation mm. in person, mm -hmm. then I don't engage with them because all it does is here's is a couple things that happen. It's kind of like the broken window theory of the comment section. Yeah. If oh. you allow one person to come in and say something ridiculous, yeah. if you leave it there, you know what's going to happen? More people are going to say ridiculous things because they see that it gets engagement. And what I found with the comments, it used to be like I've been on, I've been publishing content online since 2005. It used to be 2005 to 2012-ish, people left comments because they really wanted to hear what you had to say. They really wanted to engage with you. From 2013 on, commenting became the new publishing. <laughs> Basically, yes. people are trying to get the top comment. So now, people will say something crazy in the comments just so they can get the number one comment. And then they'll come back and say, oh, I got the number one comment. Thanks, everybody. They're, like, happy. So when someone starts doing that, and I can tell that's their angle, 
I just get rid of them because other people will see it and they will imitate what they see. And most people are just followers. Dre, do the online haters, the internet trash talkers, do they ever inspire you? Like you were saying that trash talk inspired you in basketball. Aren't there people in your comments maybe that inspire you or make you lift your game? I don't know if I would call it lift my game, but I use everything as material. Everything is material. So yeah. even if I have to block a troll, yeah. I still remember what they said and I can use that in my next video or in my a chapter of my next book or in the next thing that I post. I replied to just last year, over 20,000 comments in the year 2020. So I read and reply to everything that comes through my channel. So I know what people are saying. Even if I have to get rid of somebody, I see what they're saying. And if it's based on any type of truth, I will engage with it in the next video. But I'm not going to, because look, let's say you said something crazy to me in my comment, you and maybe the people who browse through all the comments are the only people who are going to see it. So why not get maximum, maximum ROI out of my response by making another video? So that way it becomes material that I actually benefit from. Because if I just go back and forth with you in the comments, it's just me and you that know about it. Yep. How about I got the whole world see what I had to say? I'm a publisher. This, this is the mentality of a publisher. Dre is indeed a publisher. He's written 29 books, mostly self-published, with titles like The Mirror of Motivation, The Seller's Mindset, and Work on Your Game. It's part of his business, which in a way is himself. But does trash talk work as well in business as it does on the basketball court? So in the business world, it requires a whole lot more thinking, a lot more intellect. You have to think several steps ahead. It's kind of like playing chess versus playing checkers. So in the business world, it's harder to talk trash also because in sports, we have one scoreboard. Everyone can look at the scoreboard. Whenever you turn the sports game, what's the first thing you look at? What's the score? Who's winning? Who's losing? How much time is left in the game? Everybody knows exactly what it is. Both teams agree. This is how we determine who's the winner, who's the loser, the scoreboard. In business, what's the scoreboard? We don't know. Is the scoreboard money? Is the scoreboard attention? Is it followers? Is it engagement? Is it likes? Is it retweets? Is it personal fulfillment and happiness? Because not everybody in business is in business just to make as much money as possible. Because if that was the case, many of us might be doing different jobs. If it was just about how many dollars we can get, we might do something other than what we do. So it's harder to talk trash because we don't even have the same scoreboard. So even if I'm beating you at this part, that might not even matter to you. You might not even care about that part. I might have more followers than somebody, but maybe they're making 10 times the revenue I'm making. So who's winning? We don't know. And in the business world, it becomes more, it's similar to in the political world or on social media, it becomes more about the clapbacks and the dunking on people on social media and the comments. Tell me about um, Trump as a publisher and as a troll and as a trash talker. Like, I, I really want to hear because we've <laughs> I know I, I don't know whether or not you voted for him, but I know you admire certain things about his performance, his pose as like especially intimidating. And man, he was good at destabilizing people <laughs> with, you know, you do not want to be tweeted about by Donald Trump, because there's a mm -hmm. fear that his fans, his voters will go kinetic on you. You know, I've had been trolled by mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson, even just Tucker Carlson, not Donald Trump. And that is not a good time. There, <laughs> you are getting death threats. You are, you know, you need the police involved. What do you think about his trash talking game? And did he ever go too far? So first of all, as far as trash talking goes, Trump is, he's an expert because he's such a natural, he's a natural at it. And that's what made him so good. So all those those nicknames, uh, Sleepy Joe, Lion Ted, yes. Low Energy Jeb, Crooked Hillary, 
they were great nicknames because when you when I think of Hillary Clinton, the first thing I think is Crooked Hillary. Now, every time I see her face and I see that plastic smile, I think Crooked Hillary. I think she's lying about something. <laughs> That's what, what it makes me think because he put that in everybody's head. So was he good at it? I mean, he was amazing. He If he could codify how he does it, I'm not sure he can because it's just a natural for him. If he could codify, he could teach a class on trash talking better than anyone. All right, I get what Dre's trying to say here. Trump says crooked Hillary, and it sticks. For a lot of people, she becomes crooked Hillary. But Hillary Clinton's been investigated, and she didn't break any laws. We know she's not crooked. And all right, maybe that nickname is just politics because she was Trump's opponent, so it was like a sporting showdown. But when Trump was trash-talking Dr. Fauci or implying that the pandemic was nothing that bleach couldn't cure, I mean, that kind of trash-talking can contribute to deaths. And that's when trash-talking stops being just words. You know, to claim the pandemic was a hoax or blame the Democrats didn't exactly save lives. It didn't make the pandemic go away. Trash-talk may have even exacerbated the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic happened. And I think because the Democrats came out and they took the offensive position of, all right, anything Trump is doing is not enough. So he pushed back and he chose the opposite pose because this is the political, this is the political theater. Is that, all right, they said this, so now I got to say the opposite. And this is just the way that they do. And because he had presented himself, he had taken this position of anything they do, I'm going to go against it and attack it. It worked for him for, from 2015 when he jumped in up until the pandemic, it was working. But at that point, when bodies start dropping, I mean, it's not too much you can say. And again, Biden, he did what he was supposed to do. He leveraged that against him and beat him. It makes me think of in your career, like you reach and you've talked about this with trash talking, that you reach the limits of your Mm -hmm. skills at some point and it becomes just life or death what your body can do. So like when people are dying in the world in 3D Mm -hmm. space, doesn't have to do with language. There's no way to explain it away. There's no way really in a good, in in a powerful way to say, well, this isn't happening when people, you know, he could say that about the Russia hoax. He could explain that away, but he can't explain, you know, my aunt died of it and people were getting it all around and there was a mobile morgue outside our house. And that's a little bit like when you hit the top of your basketball career, that like some of it, like you Mm -hmm. can use your brain and your language and your commitment to do everything. But at some point, there's just the the natural abilities of the body. There's reality, right? You can't disagree with reality all the Mm way. Um, Before we wrap up, I want you to give a succinct summary of your three principles of how to deal with trash talking, because it's not just basketball players that have to deal with it now, athletes that have to deal with it. We all get trash talk to some extent on the Internet, even someone like kind of Mm -hmm. slyly disagreeing with you in comments or saying like a post, a picture you post is thirsty or, you know, just like otherwise kind of undermining (laughs) you. You have some great ways to prevent this Mm -hmm. from happening. Tell us those three principles. Number one is understanding that most of the time when someone is trash talking you is not really about you. What it's really about is either them just getting themselves going. They're talking trash just to so that they have to live up to whatever they said or they are playing to the crowd and trying to get the crowd behind them against you or just get the crowd behind them. So most of trash talk, when people are saying negative things towards you, it has nothing to do with you. It's really about them and about the audience around them. Number two is that when someone is trash talking you, you have the option of not saying anything back. Just like the old saying goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. 
You do not have to respond just because someone says something to you. And number three is you do not need to engage in trash talk if you need to think about if you should engage in trash talk. If you have to think about it, you probably shouldn't do it. It is a skill. It's a skill that can be developed. A lot of it is intuitive. You have to have the gift of gab. You got to be sharp of tongue and you got to know how to hit people where it hurts. That's really how trash talk (laughs) works. You got to be able to hit people where it hurts. If you're not good at that, then do not engage. You can just ignore people and understand what you ignore will eventually go away. Someone's trash talking you and you don't say anything back to them. They will eventually stop talking to you because they're not getting any engagement. Every human wants to be engaged with. We are social creatures. You don't have to say anything back if you don't have the skill. It is not for everybody. I always, always learn something from you, Dre. And it's like, you're so surprising. Like you say, (laughs) it's not the hardest punch. It's the one you don't see coming. That is what it's like to talk to Dre Baldwin. Probably what it's like to play basketball against you. (laughs) Um, It is so good to talk to you again. Thanks again for being on This is Critical. Of course. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back after this. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Now it's time for a short segment I'm calling P.S., where producer Harry Huggins and I ask, what just happened? Dre got where he is in part because he's willing to be disagreeable. Producer Harry, you are one of the most agreeable people I've met in this industry or any industry or any cafe or McDonald's. Are you convinced by Dre? What, you know, what'd you think of trash talking? Well, first of all, you're too kind. I very much appreciate it. Um, <laughs> and also, I think I'm pretty convinced. I'm usually pretty skeptical of boastfulness and people who um, are like really forward about what they're good at. But um, especially because I am a quote unquote soft boy. Yeah. Um, like you guys put the passive and passive aggressive, right? Yes, I mean, I, yeah. just passive, not aggressive. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, but I kind of saw it as an aspirational opportunity for me you know like i could maybe even start adopting trash talk in my life as a form of therapy for like all of the times i've just rolled over i love that like you would just look in the mirror and be like go get him tiger those hard boys have nothing on your soft boy the punch they don't see coming kind of thing i I feel like i could almost script one of these kind of affirmations for you we can work on that after the show trash talk as therapy (laughs) i would greatly appreciate it 
All right, I know research is your true happy place. Do you have any numbers for us today? I know you do. Yes, so I did want to see more about like how this can be used outside of Dre's expertise, which is sports. Um, so I found a study from around 2017 by Jeremy Yip, who teaches management at Georgetown and a bunch of his colleagues. Um, it was really cool. So they studied a bunch of stuff about trash talking in the work environment. Um, first of all, they surveyed 143 full-time office workers at Fortune 500 companies to okay. see how prevalent trash talk is in the real world. Can you guess how many of those Fortune 500 employees experienced trash talk in, let's say, the last three months of their work? I think maybe 5% of people experience, like, real trash talk. It is w- way higher. So 61%. No way! 61% of the people they talked to recalled incidences of trash talking in the last three months of work. That's brutal! 57% said trash talk occurred monthly, which is wild. I think think they've got to be mistaking, like, the slightest bit of correction for trash talk. There's no way! They should quit and get into podcasting, because if I heard this kind of stuff, here's an example. An associate at the U.S. Department of Defense who was vying for a promotion told a coworker, quote, I will beat your butt so bad you won't be able to work ever again. <laughs> oh, my God. The American government working for you. And this is at DOD, so we're talking about someone who has the whole resources of the Pentagon. They probably he, could. I, that would terrify me. That, I, don't th- I think that would work on me. Yeah. So so then they did six different experiments to go beyond the surveys involving a total of about a thousand college students competing in some simple games online for money. Meanwhile, they were manipulating the kinds of like IMs that they were getting from their quote unquote opponents, but is actually the researchers. Right. So some people got neutral messages like, let's see what happens. Which kind of sounds a bit ominous. Let's see what happens. But they exactly. considered it neutral, right? I, maybe yeah. I'm just reading too much into it, but yeah. fine. While others got trash talk like, I'm smarter than you. I'm faster than you. I'm going to beat you so bad. We're in fourth grade. That's, yeah, that's pretty know. weak. Yeah. Okay. Or this one, I'm going to crush you. At the end of this, you're going to be begging me for that money. Which would scare the crap out of me. <laughs> oh my God. I just hate the word crush. I don't yeah. like it when people, when you come off whatever, some performance and people say, you crushed it. I just start thinking, I don't know. I don't like crushed things. I don't want to be crushed. I, I, once again, that would work on me. So yeah. what happened? Did this stuff work? Who played well? Who played badly? Okay, so people who were targets of trash talk actually outperformed people who weren't trash talked which is very unexpected. And they surveyed the people to try and find out why. And they found that is mainly due to feelings of the people who did better reported a lot of feelings of rivalry, according Hmm. to the researchers. Not like insecurity, but rivalry as kind of an inspiration. Yeah, like they were like, oh, I actually care about this more now. I need to do better than this person. Um, And they also found that people who were trash talked were more punitive towards their opponents. Um, So they'd punish them more and, like, take more of their money or something. Um, And they were also more likely to cheat. Oh, wow. All right. So if you were trash-talked, you were like, I'm down. I can do any. I can now do more to get ahead. So be, like, a little more brutal, a little more treacherous, a little more wily, cheat more. Uh, Did anyone get set back by trash-talk and just you know, sit in the corner and put their head in their hands. Yeah. So in one of the experiments they did, it was a creative task that people had to do. And that one, 
trash talk actually harmed people's performance. Got it. I mean, maybe creative tasks are not just winning, losing, where like where rivalry doesn't inspire you as much. It just is like a distraction and it's a kind of depressive um, instead of being something that makes you lift your game. It's actually a really cool study. It's got a lot of examples of what trash talk can look like in the real world. And if you want to find it, it's called Trash Talking. Competitive incivility motivates rivalry, performance, and unethical behavior. So competitive incivility is what scientists call trash talking. That's probably what they call it the DOD, too. (laughs) Competitive incivility, I love it. Thank you, Producer Harry. All right, are you sold on the benefits of trash talk, but still not sure how to make it work for you? Comedian Mike Albo has some ideas. You know, trash talking seems like it's just for rap stars and sports icons with $5 million Nike deals. And what did they have to lose? But what if I told you that there's a version of trash talking that you can do in your everyday Peloton-y, Amazon Prime-y, mundane life that allows you to trash talk but won't get you fired, divorced, or canceled. It's called trash signaling. It's a way of insulting someone without ever directly insulting or even letting them know that you're doing it. How does trash signaling work? Well, all you need to know are a few key sentence templates. Here are three trash signaling starter templates for you to work with. Okay, first of all, start a sentence with the phrase, I'm so glad and then end it with the word now. Here's some examples. I'm so glad that you like Amanda Gorman and read poetry now. I'm so glad you found a way to post a shirtless selfie to show the importance of self-care and the benefits of your vegan diet and somehow tie it all back to climate change because that's what the world really needs right now. Okay, this next one's just a little tricky. You have to start and end a sentence with the word, so cool. But you have to embed an internal clause bookended by the word weird within the sentence. Okay, so here's some examples. So cool. Congratulations on that recent TikTok video where you're copying Charlie D'Amelio. Weird, funny, edgy, you're 45 years old, weird. But just so cool that you're doing this, so cool. So cool. Oh my God, you're getting married. Weird. I thought you always said that you hate the whole institution and would never participate, but you are weird. But that is so, so great. Congratulations. So cool. Okay, um, this last template is really just like very versatile and really helpful, Um, but it's also a little bit complicated. But first you have to start a sentence with the phrase, have you seen? And then end it with the words HBO Max. The tricky part is that somewhere in the middle, you need to throw in the words gene and smart. Here's some examples. Have you seen that new show about that insufferable person that can't stop talking about themselves? It stars Gene Smart, and it's on HBO Max. Oh my God. Have you seen that series about the person that when people ask what they do, they say they're an artist? when they're basically just living off their spouse who's an executive for L'Oreal working her ass off while they sit at home and post photos on Instagram of the things they made out of twigs like they think they're Andy Goldsworthy or something? It stars Jean Smart. And it's on Hungarian HBO Max. Oh, just sorry. If you're worried that they're gonna look it up, they won't. Um, And even if they do, it's fine because they'll just try to scroll for a while until they just slurk into sleep drinking their wine. So it's no problem. 
got so many good ideas from this. That's it for this week's show. Make sure you don't miss next week's episode by following us or subscribing on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people learn about the show. To keep tabs on us, follow me, Virginia Heffernan, on Twitter. I'm at page 88 and the show at This Critical Pod. If you have a question or a cultural creed you think deserves another look, send us an email at thisiscriticalpod at gmail.com. This is Critical is made by me, Virginia Heffernan, and Stitcher. Mike Albo was our comic relief this week. Harry Huggins is the producer with help from Peter Clowney and consulting producer Tamika Weatherspoon. Tracy Samuelson is our editor. Brendan Burns mixed this episode and composed our original theme, which I love. And Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Do something. No. Merch on my life when I get to go, I'm killing you. Merch on my life. On my life. You better score. You better score, too. Hey, wait, move. In your face, In your face. Play defense, bro. That's not defense, bro. You're reaching over me every time as a fan. Are you dumb, Carrie? Are you dumb, Carrie? You have no move. Carrie? No move. Carrie? Stitcher. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s. 1975, to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.